Good morning. Happy Friday. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, 7 a.m. big book study. My name is Amy G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Friday, April 12, 2019, and today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page 19, focusing on the fourth paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Lauren N., Du L, Kim G, Tenzin P, Allison E, and our newcomer greeter Nan K, and host of the second awesome hour is Lori W. OA preamble. Oh, wait, the reference numbers. The reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, April 11th, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 12,773. That's 12773. And for Thursday, April 11th, 10 a.m. Eastern meeting is 12,774, 12774. OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Tenzin. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Tenzin P. checking in. Uh, Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10 continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you so much, Tenzin P. I will now ask for Allison E. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Allison. Hi, good morning. This is Allison E., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New York. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to serve us. I pass. Thank you, Allison. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear my little buzzer or I'll say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting, again, does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute 
Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet, feeding, quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book. We are on page 19 on the fourth paragraph, and I'm going to ask Lauren N. to get us started. Go ahead, Lauren. Press star one, Lauren. Thank you, Amy. Can you hear me? I can. Yep. Lauren N. from uh, New York. Of necessity, there will be will have to be a discussion of matters medical, psychiatric, social, and religious. We are aware that these matters are, from their very nature, controversial. Nothing would please us more so much as to write a book which would contain no basis for contention or argument. We shall do our utmost to achieve that ideal. Most of us sense that the real tolerance, that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions are attitudes which make us more useful to others. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. This is Lauren N. Just having read one of the most incredible, well, one of a awesome section of this book and one that really says it all. We have to be help for others if we don't constantly think of others. We will con- fall back into our disease and think of ourselves, which is the basis of our disease, being selfish. How incredible that is. How true it is. I am fallible, I am human, and I often forget and fall back into my disease. Thank God I've learned that I need to go back and help others and if I don't help others it will I will end up in self pity and resentments and fear and anger like I always was or like I was before I came in here to this room you all pass on this message every day when you talk and I am so grateful every day when I get to listen to it. I am so blessed by having learned that I no longer need to eat those goodies and those salty items and those different tasting things. And today I can live in 
in the sunlight of the spirit by knowing that if I just give it away, I'm able to stay out of me. And thank you all for being there every day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lauren N. Greatly appreciate getting us started. Okay, so who would like to share on what was read on page 19, fourth paragraph? And of course, if you um, shared recently, if you could give hold to those. Beth W. Nancy H. Larry K. Beth W. I've got Beth, Larry W. I mean, Larry K. Beth W. Who else? Elizabeth T. Elizabeth Barbara, Barbara E. I think I heard Harlan C, Barbara E, Nancy H. I could take a couple more. Okay, here's what I've got. Beth W, Larry K, Elizabeth B, Harlan G, Barbara E, Nancy H. Last call, if anybody else wants to come in. Terry C. Terry, did you say? Yes. Teresa F. F. Okay, we'll hold right there, but Terry, I didn't get your initial. C is in cat. Okay, got it. All right, we've got a great lineup here. All right, Beth W., you're up, followed by Larry K. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks for uh, hearing my name and calling on me. My name is Beth W. from North Dakota, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, most of us sense that a real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions are attitudes which make us more helpful, to, useful to others. Um, before uh, coming into the program and working the steps of, um, of this program, I, I had no tolerance for anybody, it seemed. I, I wanted everybody to tolerate me and my viewpoints. <clears throat> and what, what I've learned in this program is that um, I'm just one, one of many. I'm one, a worker among workers, a friend among friends, and just one person in this program. And, um, and as it says at the beginning of the program, we're gonna talk about medical, psychiatric, social, and religious things. And, and there might be arguments, but the truth is, is that all of us matter. We all have a voice. And, and um, I was talking with a sponsee and, um, and I was talking about jealousy, and, and when I'm jealous of somebody else, I think that in God's economy, there's not enough, that, that I'm going to miss out or I'm going to lose out. And in God's economy, the God of my understanding, there's enough. There's more than enough for all of us. There's, there's love enough. There's, there's thoughts enough. There's opinions enough. And, and this program um, calls me to be tolerant and that I don't have to, to – to jockey to the front of the line to be, although I did today, to be, <laughs> to get my voice heard, um, to, to, to be um, just one of um, is, is, is what I've learned is, is to be part of something, not, not to have to be the center of attention all the time. And that your viewpoint and your, your life matter just as much as mine does. And when I'm tolerant of you, then I can be tolerant of myself too. And that, that is um, a real gift to me is that, um, 
when love comes first, there's enough for all of us. And that, um, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you, Beth W. Larry K. Followed by Elizabeth C. Go ahead, Larry. This is Harlan G. from Sweltering. Arizona, where it'll be, be 162 <laughs> degrees today. No, I'm just a wannabe. Um, thanks so much, Amy, <laughs> for your service. <laughs> so I'm I'm learning. Oh, it's Friday, I know. So I'm learning that I, I actually become more useful to others when I practice the principles of tolerance and respect for their viewpoints. And And I thought, you know, we only, sometimes you can get the impression we only peddle in tough love and dismissiveness and rejection of anything contrary to the big book. And, and that's not always easy, right? Uh, to practice the code of love and tolerance for others. You know, there, there are, I suspect people on this line who are afraid to share. And, and you know why? M- maybe among some of the reasons because of, of a variation of one simple word, you know, recovered versus recovering and, and how sad that, that we can feel judged as being less than or invalidated, you know, as a human being, just based on some, some consonants and vowels of a word. And as if that is representative of, of who you are as an individual, and I will tell you, it's not, you have as much value as anyone else on this line. You know, maybe there's someone um, afraid to share, you know, because they don't feel like they're a, a part of this fellowship because they're still into the food and, and, Rest assured, there was a time I was still into the food and I didn't feel apart and I felt less than. And guess what? You have as much right to be here as anyone else. You know, I, I, would, I would offer my opinion. Don't buy into the nonsense that your interpretation of this text as we read it and study it is any less helpful than mine. It's just as helpful. See, because what you and I have in common is we both don't, we both don't want to eat today. I'm more like you than you think. You're as valuable to your creator, to God, as I am. You're as worthy of recovery and change as I am. You know, and I don't, I don't fear your, your interpretation of the text or your thoughts. It's just as worthy. And so I, I don't, you know, you know, can I practice? God, help me to practice more, you know, less dismissiveness and abrasiveness out of my own maybe hidden fear that I'm going to catch what you have. I, I, I am you. I'm not afraid of catching what you have. I've learned from you. And, and, and what if we were to convey to them, you know, that, that good comes from, you know, fine, I'm not eating my alcoholic foods today. It's only by the grace of God. I can assure you that in these steps. So I, I, you know, since honesty is another one of these principles that we try to practice, I want to be frank in telling you that working the steps in a different way or eating your way through the steps, that didn't work for me. But I'm not going to be dismissive of you. You're, you're a valued human being. You're part of this thing because you, you have a desire to stop eating just like me. So, you know, what is it about wrapping up, Amy? What is it about my ego characterized by a deeper fear? that I often become dismissive or abrasive if there are attitudes different than mine. I always want to remember that when I'm dismissive and abrasive, I may not be serving my creator in the way that my creator wants. My ego tells me that tough love is what I'm peddling, but my heart tells me, and I'm just wrapping up, Amy, my heart tells me that when I'm hardened 
My creator is far from me. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Elizabeth B., followed by Harlan G. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Yes, can I be heard? <clears throat> yes, very well. Okay. Thank you. Um, and thank you for your service. My name is Elizabeth D., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in the Boston area. Um, our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. If I real, when I really think about that, that is an incredibly radical statement. That is a statement that goes against everything that I have been taught by, by this culture, etc., about self-sufficiency and about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. This is, this is a radical notion. And it's only because I was at, the, at a bottom um, and absolutely at the end of my rope um, in my food addiction that I surrendered, or actually the world surrendered me, and I picked up these steps in entire abstinence and started working this program. And what I have come to understand is that my, I need to think about others constantly because the alternative for me is my ego and my, my self-doubt and my self-self-self. This journey for me has been about learning what it means to surrender to this statement that my life as, as a recovered compulsive overeater depends upon my constant thought of others and how I may be able to meet their needs. Um, and um, I'm actually in a very, very uh, sort of economically tenuous situation right now. And I, am re I realized this morning that, um, that I have a lot of work to do around the anger and the resentment I have around what's happened to me. And this is exactly what I needed to hear this morning that understanding other people's perspective on things and is, is absolutely critical to me maintaining the happy, joyous, and free life that I have today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Elizabeth. Harlan G., you are up, followed by Barb E. Go ahead, Thank Harlan. you, Amy. Thank you, Amy, and thanks for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and this morning I'm not in sweltering Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I'm looking at the Atlantic Ocean as I'm talking. On page 570 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, fourth edition in Appendix 3, it says, and I'm quoting, to, they help others with similar problems. In this atmosphere, the alcoholic often overcomes his excessive concentration upon himself. Learning to depend upon a higher power and absorb himself in his work with other alcoholics, he remains sober day by day. The days add up into weeks, the weeks into months and years. 
on page 62 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says, selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows, and they retaliate. When I am thinking only of myself, there is never enough. I have to outsmart, outwit, outmaneuver the world to satisfy my basic instincts of life. And my basic instincts of life cry out for satisfaction incessantly. Now, what did I not talk about this morning? What did the big book not talk about this morning in these passages? It didn't say excessive food was the source of my problem, did it? It didn't say lack of Kit Kat bars was my dilemma. It didn't say anything about that. It said selfishness and self-centeredness. I, too, as was mentioned before, am by my nature a judgmental, scared-to-death, angry person. And most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions are attitudes which make us more useful to others. How do I develop that? How do I get there from where I was at? I get there through service, and I get through, I get there through what was just said by Larry about understanding that every one of us is part of the tapestry of what this is. And I have learned enough from each and every one of you to fill volumes of libraries. And I have learned enough from each and every one of you so that you have made me a better human being because when God couldn't show, he sent you. He sent people. You are God with skin in my life. Thank each and every one of you for helping God keep me out of the food for one more day. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, Barbara E., followed by Nancy H. Go ahead, Barbara. Good morning, everyone. Oh, my goodness, the shares were so awesome. I am humbled by them. We at our home here in West Orange have not succumbed to giving up our landline and going to BIOS where they have the underground wiring. So our landline continues to be above ground and the wiring is connected to our phone line. Consequently, we're constantly calling our phone service because a squirrel, an aggressive one, keeps chewing through the wiring. And the man obligingly comes out and fixes it, and then the squirrel chews through it again and again. That's akin to my addiction. Someone's unmuted, I think. My emotions kept chewing through my spiritual wiring, and to solve it, I'd use the food over and over again to, to tape over and hold me together. The only thing that helped me was this useful program of action. I had to hold he
Barbara E., press star one to unmute. My goodness, I was talking, and I, so you heard nothing? No. Continue. Oh, my goodness. Please I'll continue. continue. I'll continue from where I left off. I was talking about a pesky squirrel who chews through our landlining, landline, and, and we have to get the, uh, the phone company to come and repair the wiring over and over. And that's akin to my addiction. My emotions kept chewing through my spiritual wiring, and to solve it, I'd use the food over and over again to take together my life. The only thing that helped me was this useful program of action. I had to wholeheartedly launch into it, take this vigorous action, and follow it precisely. And when I do my nightly review, if I see that selfishness, dishonesty, self-centeredness, and fear have dominated my day, I know I must go back and do the steps again. I wanted it to be one and done, but that's not the way it is for me. Thank God for the altruistic people who were courageous enough to share their stories of despair and addiction and how they recovered from this seemingly hopeless disease. My fear and my ego and my desperate need to be liked prevented me from wishing to disclose and discard my character flaws. Oops. Okay, I'll just wrap up. Finally, I was ready to discover, disclose, and discard them. And the most important sentence that we've read in so far today is that I have to wholeheartedly help other people. I had to put aside my skepticism, my need for spiritual and emotional resculpturing, and work with others both in and out of my community. I'm sorry that I got confused. I thought I was unmuted, but I heard a lot of traffic. I pass. Not your fault, Barbara. Great chair. Thank you so much. Okay, Nancy H., it's your turn, followed by Terry C. Go ahead, Nancy. Good morning. This is Nancy H., and I'm calling today. I'm in New York City, which is actually quite interesting and fun. Um, we got to stay in a nice apartment by the grace of a gift of a friend. And uh, it's never happened to me before, and it's certainly quite different. So what I wanted to share was, though, that the selfishness and self-centeredness is definitely the root of my disease. Um, it comes out in so many ways um, all the time. But I, when I'm working the program, when I'm in touch with my higher power, when I feel at peace, then that starts to disappear and I think of others. And when I'm doing that, when I'm putting other people first, everything changes. And um, and it extends beyond the program, of course. So yesterday, my father is, the reason we're here, my father is very, uh, he's gotten ill. He's got dementia and it's going downhill. And my father all of my life has been the most narcissistic, selfish, self-centered person that I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> and uh, I think so anyway. But um, So I had to put a lot of anger and resentment away to be there for him now that he's developing dementia. And I was actually able to do it for uh, two days out on Long Island. And I can't believe that I was able to be there for him be abstinent, bring all my food, you know, just 
make sure that my physical needs were taken care of so that I wasn't starving and not be thinking about how can I get out of here to get, you know, a chocolate or a nice meal or whatever it be. I wasn't thinking that way at all. And then I went to see my aunt on Long Island who was also suffering from Parkinson's. And I went to a store and had to buy, well, I didn't have to, but I wanted to bring her flowers. And I asked if it was okay if she had chocolates and I said yes. And I wasn't even thinking about touching them, you know. I just wanted to make her happy and be there for her. And I sat right next to her and I looked in her eyes and sat close to my father and just rubbed his back. And I did all these things. And it's not me doing this, you know. It's because I'm abstinent today by walking the steps working with my sponsor by not eating the foods that make me sick and crazy and just I don't know I'm changing and it's just a beautiful wonderful thing um of course I wish other people had this program too like my father who was also a hoarder and I went out to his house and it was absolutely unbelievable he did horrible but I was able to look at it and just sort of say okay this is what he is it's not who I am and I didn't let it run me, and I don't know. Something's changed in me, and I just want to be grateful for that. And I'm grateful for all you beautiful people for bringing this meeting every morning. Thanks, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy H. Terry C., followed by Lisa F. Go ahead, Terry. Thanks, Amy. This is Terry C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. And uh, I, I just always love the bottom of 19. I I recognized actually in a step study last night when I read the words, most of us sense. I just love the way Bill crafts this in the beginning of the book. Um, there are some that believe there is a solution was one of the first, was the first chapter written because it was the complete overview of our program. And um, I think of how tenderly he eases me into if I was to pick up this book for the first time that I sense a real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a regard and high respect for their opinions or attitudes which make me more useful. Um, I was sensing it, but I wasn't necessarily doing it. And uh, this page and this paragraph, I mean, this specific sentence always reminds me of we agnostics and the page that says deep down inside every woman and man is the fundamental concept of God, the idea of God. I think that's the sense. I think it's God. And it took this program to show me that that was exactly how God wanted me to to act in his image, how he wanted me to behave, how he wanted me to accept and love all of his kids. And so when I read this, um, I remember that every day I know it. Some days I sense it and I don't always follow it. But I know if I keep rowing to shore and doing this program, that it will continue to be my ideal, that I'll want to practice, that I'll want to achieve. And um, I'm just, uh, I just had to weigh in on this. I know I'm saying a lot of what's already been said, but considering that uh, the bottom of 19 is one of my go-to, uh, go-to sentences in the top of 20, I'm just so grateful to be here with all of you. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Terry. Okay, Lisa F., you're up. Press star one to unmute, Lisa. 
Lisa, Lisa. Oh, maybe we lost her. All right, well, I'll go ahead and take some names for the next group. And uh, Lisa, if you get back in there, just Melissa. Melissa C. Okay. Nancy Bell from New York. Monica Melissa T. Teresa G. Jen. G. Jen A. Teresa. Uh, okay, Kate C. Okay, hold on a sec. Um, Teresa. Was there a Teresa? Did I hear? Yes. Teresa S. Okay, Teresa S. Okay, I've got Melissa P. Okay, Barbara P. That's all right. Um, Did you get L? Who is that? Do L? Oh, do. Yes. Okay, sure. All right, I think that's a good group. I've got Melissa C., Monica T., Teresa S., Jen A., Kate C., Barbara P., and do L. All right, great lineup. Let's roll. Melissa C., your turn, followed by Monica T. Hi. Thank you so much, Amy, for your service this morning. Um, good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And um, I'm just so grateful that these set of directions exist for me and, um, and that I'm willing, thank you, God, to keep reading them and applying them to me right now. You know, I think... Um, I, it's really good for me to hear that I need to respect other people's opinions um, and that I have, to, I have to have tolerance for differing viewpoints because, um, you know, becoming a recovered compulsive overeater has not cured me from, um, from a, a selfishness that exists in me and it's a, it comes out as know-it-all. You know, I, I have, I suffer from know-it-allism, and I've learned, you know, over my years how to temper it publicly so I don't always look like a know-it-all, but in my brain, I am full of judgment, and and I do this in many areas, you know, um, and I love that I'm being, you know, I'm being reminded this is not, this is not useful, this is not um aligned with God's purpose for me. I, I have to have respect for differing viewpoints so that I can be helpful to other people. And, you know, and so, yes, within the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, for sure, because there are different people who do things differently, and not everybody buys into the program, you know, exactly as I do, but everybody's entitled to have a seat and an opinion and love, you know, that's, that's so I learn it, you know, in the rooms, but then I get to practice it in my, in my, in my family and in my workplace. And I've shared recently that I was struggling with some work-related issues because I'm a know-it-all and I'm sitting at those team level meetings and I know it all. And those people have nothing to teach me in my brain, and they are not listening to me. How dare they? And I'm so self-centered. And, you know, and when I divorce myself from myself and say, you know, how little, Melissa, do you really know? You don't even know how much to eat. Something such a basic human function that you are so broken, you need, you need help in that aspect. You know, my dog knows how much to eat. So certainly the other professionals that are sitting at the table have something to teach me. And when I open up my mind like that, I have love and I am useful again. And um, thank you so much for the help, Thank you, Melissa C. 
Monica T, followed by Teresa S. Go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. And this chapter is called, There is a Solution, and we're being given some information here. Most of us sense that real tolerance, what is tolerance, open-mindedness, an acceptance or belief of practices different from our own. Here's a principle here. I've got to be tolerant of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints, and a respect. And here's another little principle they're throwing in there. For their opinions are attitudes which make us more useful to others. And I looked up attitude here this morning, too. Attitude, a position assumed for a specific purpose. A manner of thinking, feeling, or behaving that reflects a state of mind. But I like that first one, a position assumed for a specific purpose. And then I also looked up useful. What's useful? Able to be used for a practical purpose. So what I'm being told here is, as part of my solution, I have to be helpful to others. And there's this underlying theme that the big book started way back in the forward to the first edition telling us I need to be helpful. We wish to be helpful. And this is part of the solution. When I'm being tolerant and respectful of other people and I'm not rolling my eyes and thinking I know better and I know what they should do, but I can have this attitude of being tolerant and respectful and listen, it helps me to get out of where I am. And when I'm really trying to be helpful to somebody else, I can't be on my pity pot at the same time. So I think this is really important here, you know, that, that it's part of my my recovery, part of my spiritual awakening, my change that happens as a result of the step, that I start thinking of others, you know, because it was always all about me, 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 me. And um, how'd that work, Monica? Not very well. <laughs> And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Monica. Teresa S. followed by Jen A. Go ahead, Teresa. Good morning. This is Teresa S. I'm in North Dakota where it is neither sweltering nor is there an ocean view. We have a lovely view of snow and ice. (laughs) But I am nervous to talk on the the line. I'm just going to be honest with that. Um, I don't have the beautiful words that everybody has, and and my message might get a little convoluted, but I figured I would try um, because I I don't remember who it was. Was it Harlan that said, you know, I am worthy. My message is worthy, too. You know, I don't need to be afraid to not be enough to share. So I figured I would just do it. Go (laughs) Um, for it. For (laughs) me, um, for me, this... I thought this was going to be easy. This was like a little checklist that I could check off and be cured, you know, because that's how this thing works, or is it how I wanted it to work anyway. Um, I'm very helpful. I help people all the time. So, you know, this this didn't have to pertain to me. I was good. You know, maybe some of the other things I had to work on, but I tolerate people, I accept them, I love them, and I help them. But that is a part of my character defect. When I read this, I have to realize Helping people doesn't necessarily mean fixing them, you know, because to me, that's where my mind wants to go. I control people. 
I want to fix them because if I can help you and fix you and you feel better, then I feel better. But that is not what the intent of this is. You know, this isn't going and doing for people. This is, you know, I think this is something entirely different. Um, you know, it's not if you if you follow this little checklist that I give you and then that helps you, then you help me. You know, that that really in the end is isn't very helpful to anybody and that is me um thinking that I'm a know-it-all. You know, who am I to think that I know how to fix you and help you and um like I, like it was said, I don't even know how to eat. You know, how profound is that? You know, that that was amazing. You know, I don't even know the human basic function of eating. Yet I think I can fix you and the world, you know, when I I don't want to look at the storm in my head. But for me, um, what this tolerance has come to is accepting people um, for how they are, where they are, and loving them no matter what without the need to control, without the need to fix. I can just listen to you today without having to do something for you. You know, that's where my my helpfulness is showing today you know, and my tolerance is accepting that, accepting you for who you are, where you are in life, period, and just loving you for that. Um, and I think that's all I have to say, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Tarika. Glad to hear you. Okay, you. Jen A., you are up, followed by Kate C. Good morning, Amy. Thank you. Thanks, Teresa, for stepping out the door with a heart full of courage this morning, getting on and sharing. We like to hear your voice and everything that you say, all of you. Um, The only voice you heard was mine. Um, I made it louder so that you would hear me. Um, That was my nature. I wanted to tell you all about me. Um, I was passive aggressive. I was infatuated and absorbed and obsessed with myself. I was the most impatient person, and if you didn't do it when I wanted and how I wanted, I was going to let you know about it. Um, I ran over you with a Mack truck, and I backed right back up over you if I didn't cause you enough pain the first time um, on the first Passover. Um, that was me, um, self-centered to the extreme. Um, you know, but then something comes in, something different. And I didn't think that I was going to get um, this spiritual transformation from this program because I didn't hear the lines of vision until after I recovered. I just went line by line in the big book with my sponsor, face-to-face. So um, the beauty for all of you who are on the line today who are new, you're getting to hear what happens later down the line um, as a result. And I think that's what's beautiful um, about this meeting in general is that you get to hear the recovery and you get to hear the hope that's coming. Um, But, you know, for those who are coming and dying like I was, um, you know, um, keep coming back. Do this work. Take action. Because the usefulness um, that Um, I have in my life today and how I can be useful of others came as a result of doing this work, leaning into God, finding a higher power, and and, and really relying on him on a daily basis. Um, And, you know, a little character that I love, his name is Winnie the Pooh. He says, a little consideration and a little thought for others makes all the difference. And that little wise bear, you know, um, he, he knows a lot. Um, but when I'm more consider, considerate of others and I have more thought for others and I'm outside myself, I can be a difference maker. And this week in my office, um, I work in a retirement community and a gentleman came in and he sought me down because he heard me in the hall. He's lived there for a year and he's never met me, but we talked on the phone for months before he came. And all I did was answer his phone calls, befriend him and talk about, you know, the benefits of moving to our community. 
and yesterday he came in and I he said I had to meet the girl and he said he I came up to me he goes do you recognize my voice and I said yes Mr. Cook I recognize your voice and then he walked out and my um, colleague said to me wow you're such a difference maker and if that's what I am today because of this program um, and service and self-sacrifice is what I do for others um, it was worth it putting down every Kit Kat bar, every chocolate shake. I don't even care about the Chick-fil-A drive-through and the, and, and the mint mocha shakes anymore. It doesn't matter. This is so much more wonderful. Um, you know, I, I, I don't live to recover. Somebody says that I recover to live, and I believe him today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. Kate C., followed by Barbara P. Go ahead, Kate. Hi, this is Kate B, as in boy, and I am from Minnesota. No problem. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater and very grateful today for all these shares, those that have shared that have uh, infinite wisdom and those that are first timers and just welcome to the newcomers because I remember first coming on this line and I remember first sharing on this line and the nervousness. So, so grateful for everyone's courage to share. And of this paragraph, uh, so much that everyone has shared um, also pertains to my path in this program. But um, even in the beginning, uh, when it talks about, you know, nothing, uh, the discussion of matters, medical, psychiatric, social, religious, we are aware these matters um, are controversial. And when I came in, I came in with a, a religious faith and um, I didn't think, you know, chapters pertain to me and I just really wanted to have help putting food down and thought that I already had this God figured out. And it was amazing walking through this journey and realizing the spiritual transformation that my higher power, my God wanted for me. And I am I'm just incredibly blessed today. And I just want to share something that I've heard that you know, this just recently that there's the secret to life in this philosopher. There are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. And the other is as though everything is a miracle. And that is how I want to live my life um, with all things medical, psychiatric, social, religious, having patience, tolerance, and pity for everyone, because everyone is a miracle, and every journey is a miracle, no matter how long it takes you to get to your spiritual transformation, how many relapses or tough times or beautiful miracles that come. And I am just grateful for every miracle and every relapse and every bite and every hardship and I see them all as miracles today. And that is my spiritual transformation. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Kate B. Barbara P. Followed by Duel. Should be able to fit you guys in there. Go ahead. Barbara? Press star one. Barb P. Okay, sorry about that. Hi, this is Barbara P., Recovered Compulsive Reader from the Atlanta area. And the line, nothing would please us so much as to write a book which would contain no basis for contention or argument. I feel like that is a big old disclaimer that they put in there like, wait, wait, um, this, this spoke to me as a newcomer and it still does. You know, wait, don't go running out of the room, Barbara when you hear certain things about uh, or about nutrition or medical, I can, you know, my personality and 
I've I guess I've met a lot of people who are just like me, um, is I have an opinion about everything, even things I know absolutely nothing about. And I looked for ways to figure out why this program would not work for me and why I didn't fit in. And yet this paragraph is so clear. I felt like it was so important to speak up because this is that big disclaimer. Wait, wait, wait. Don't miss the whole program because you hear something that just doesn't seem to fit. You know, don't go running out the rooms, Barbara, because someone is expressing an opinion. Well, you know, either it fits or it doesn't. Um, but I feel like it is. It's that warning label on the bottle. It's the disclaimer. Hey, you're going to want to argue because that's who you are. Again, Barbara, it, you know, maybe don't argue. What about just listen and then really take what's true for me and go from there. But don't throw the whole thing away because you want to argue. Because that, I came in wanting to argue. I really did. As much as I wanted a solution, I didn't want the one you were proposing. You know, I wanted to do it, I wanted, still wanted to do what I thought was right, and I had to stop arguing. That's what this paragraph speaks to me is just stop, just put away the argument. You don't have to agree, but try not to disagree. Can I lean in rather than lean out? So thanks, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara P. All right, Duell picks out. Good morning. This is Duel, Recover Compulsible Reader from New York. Um, I just want to say that everybody's valuable. Every, we wouldn't have a meeting if not everybody participated and everyone was here. But with that being said, I have to bring it back to disease mode. Um, the big book is very clear. This is talking about the X problem alcoholic um, that needs to display more tolerance more patience, more of these qualities, because when they're dealing with someone that is in disease mode, um, the, big, the, the big book is very clear. We're an unlovely cup, we're a tornado running through the lives of others and making a mess and destroying everything in sight. Uh, I am someone who has to put away prejudice and um, ideas that are killing me. And so it says in page 67 that when we're dealing with a sick person, you know, that we avoid retaliation and argument. And I remember coming into program wanting to argue every single detail with my sponsor about how the program should be worked when I had no clue as to how to work this program. And so it says we wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chances to be helpful. We cannot be helpful at all, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly, tolerant view of each of each and every one. And this is primarily talking to the ex-alcoholic, ex-compulsive eater, because these are the people that are put in place so that we can, as as addicts, as as compulsive eaters, we can move towards that recovery process uh, through the steps. And so <clears throat> I can't be delusional. When I'm in disease mode, I am not going to want to listen. I'm not going to want to, you know, have a tolerant view because I don't even want to practice principles. All I want to do is either stop eating or keep eating, you know. So this is saying when someone's working with me, 
they have to be more tolerant. Now, today I have a very good relationship with my sponsor because we could talk about everything. We could talk about religious stuff. We could talk about medical stuff. We could talk about social stuff. You know, I'm not arguing and retaliating towards her. Um, so this is saying, you know, that as we're moving towards recovery, we can pick up these these qualities, you know, because the big book helps us to do that. It helps us to chip away at all these um, selfish, self-seeking behaviors and help us to be more like that. But the example comes from the X problem drinker. So with that, I just want to pass. Thank you. Thank you, do L. Okay, I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following. The share ID for today's Friday, April 12, 2019 meeting is 12,776. That's 12776. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. So I'm going to ask Duell to get back on the line and go ahead and read that. Please go ahead, Du. Star one. Thank you, Amy. Can you hear me now? I can. Thank you. Okay, great. It says, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you, um, what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you unto then.